0: Welcome to the new season of Great British Bosses, the podcast from anything but footy where we speak to the men and women who run sports at all levels in the UK. This season, we're broadening out who we catch up with slightly. Coming up over the next few weeks are now retired Olympians' latest project, plus the agent of Britain's leading sports star of the past decade. Make sure you click follow wherever you're listening so you don't miss anything.
1: I'm John. And I'm Michael. And in this episode of Great British Bosses, I'm not sure we really need to give too much of an introduction. We are outside of our comfort zone of Olympic and Paralympic sport, but we're still very much interested in podium finishes. You'll recognise his name. You'll recognise his voice. He's known to millions of Formula One fans around the world. So for the first episode of the new season, we're joined by... How can I put this? Literally the most successful British boss of the
2: year. Hi, I'm Christian Horner, CEO and team principal of Rebel Racing.
1: Well, Christian, let's start by asking you about leadership. Was it something that you always had in mind? You were a racing driver and then at a relatively young age, you started your own team. Did you always have leadership ambitions?
2: No, it was almost by, uh, by, by mistake or by... Um, you know the need, by basically. So I was a aspiring young racing driver. Um, I had a certain amount of sponsorship, and I didn't have enough sponsorship to go to a, a top team in what's now Formula Two. So rather than go to a team at the back of the grid, I thought, Do you know what, I'll I'll buy the car myself and and see if we, you know I can recruit a couple of mechanics and an engineer and um, and go racing. And um, so that's how it started. It was really to try and further my own driving career. And then, you know, my limitations in the cockpit, you know, became apparent to me. Um, and, uh, but I decided that, look, yeah, I'd created this little, little business, this team that I'd try and, uh, you know, see if I could make a success out of it. So I stepped out of the cockpit and focused on running the team and um, uh, yeah, went from, went from there.
1: What's given you the biggest thrill, the success you've had as a leader or, do you still miss that thrill of actually, you know, foot to the pedal and hands on the steering wheel?
2: Look, driving was fantastic. That was a passion. Obviously, I had started racing go-karts when I was 11 or 12 years of age, and it was a big part of my life. But um, I think the satisfaction out of, you know, winning as a leader of a team, of a group of people, um, you know, over 850 people on the, you know, with, on the chassis side of the business, um, that, you know, has surpassed anything that obviously I ever did in the, in the cockpit. So, uh, because it's a very different pressure. As a, as a driver, it's quite a selfish, um, you know, role. It's a, so you're a contractor at the, at the end of the day, but it's, you've only got to worry about your own performance. Whereas, you know, being the leader of a team, you're responsible for everybody in that team. And so therefore, you know, when everything comes together and you achieve an amazing result um the the satisfaction from from that of the whole team achieving uh way surpasses um you know anything individual
0: so christian you founded arden international race team aged just 25 years Uh, at at that time when did red bull come calling how did that all happen
2: well yeah i mean i I retired uh from driving when i think I was 26 years of age um, and I focused on, on running this team and I was running young drivers and I, I won the championship in, in 2002, won it again in 2003 and the driver, one of the teams that I was racing against was uh, owned and operated by a, a certain um, Helmut Marco. Um, and in 2004, there was an Italian driver that I really wanted. Helmut had sold his team and was heading up the Red Bull Junior program and um, a young Italian called Vittantonio Liuzzi, um, I agreed a deal with him um, for him to join the Arden team, where he paid 50% of the budget as a, as a fee, but the other 50% was purely based on a win bonus. And thankfully, Liuzzi that year won, I think eight out of the 10 races. So uh, financially it worked, out, it worked out okay, but that was the first interface i had with red bull running one of their you know young drivers one of their their junior drivers
0: and you talk about some of the the junior drivers you've had some amazing talent that you've worked with just at red bull um from vettel to now verstappen is it as simple as you can spot the young talent or do you have to have that that um that skill as well to be able to spot the talent
2: i think the different thing about motorsport is that you know, the equipment is also very important. So you've got to look at what tools have they got at their disposal, um, particularly at the younger age as they're coming through either karting or some of the junior formula. But, you know, talent, you know, cream always rises to the top and you can, you know, you can spot that talent. And it's a matter of backing, you know, youth. We've invested a lot in youth over the years and, and giving young talent like Sebastian Vettel-like uh, Max Verstappen you know Daniel Ricciardo Carlos Sainz uh, you know so many young drivers that, that that we've given opportunities to.
1: And you talk there about youth you talk about developing talent and although we are a podcast called Anything But Footy I want to draw some parallels um, yeah. with football because there is that kind of academy system in football and you as a team principal are you the football manager, the first team coach, are you the chief executive, are you the chairman, or are you all of those roles wrapped up into one?
2: Well, it's a bit of everything because, you know, from Monday to, to Friday, I'm the CEO of a, you know, of a technology business that's producing, um, you know, in, these incredible machines that responsible for, you know, 22 different departments that form and create this business. And then for 23 weekends of the year, I'm the team principal of a, a high-performing sports team, and uh, so it's a it's a varied it's a varied role, and you know, that's part of the challenge, and that's part of the uh, the excitement, you know, of it is that it's it's not just about what goes on at the Grand Prix weekend; it's what it, you know, it's the running of the business, it's the the, the commercial side, it's the political side, it's the uh, uh, you know the public-facing side of it. So there's so many hats that you end up having to wear.
1: And you talked about 850 members of staff. I don't think people realise the vastness of your setup, your operation, because we see you for a few hours on a Sunday afternoon. But back at base, there will be hundreds of people watching and analysing and and following that race, I presume.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we take about 100 people racing. So the rest of the team, uh, you know, is based behind the scenes you know, in, in the factory in milton Keynes. and formula one is the biggest team sport in the world you know it's the biggest group of people that you'll have working collectively you know within one team and you know we are going up against some massive opponents you know mercedes-benz you know ferrari some some iconic brands and um you know you need the whole team working in harmony and unison uh, to take on those kind of uh you know organizations and that's been one of our strengths you know, over over the years, has been been teamwork and being dynamic, um, and not afraid to take on a challenge.
0: When Michael and I sat down and said, "We're going to speak to you, Christian," we were like, "Well, he's just the best boss in the past year." And Michael described that in, in the intro. It, is is that how you see it?
2: Well, that's very kind kind of you to say, and you know, it's certainly not for me to to judge. You know, I just do the job that I have. I enjoy what I do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a competitive person. I like winning. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm fortunate to work with a great group of people, some great drivers, great technicians, designers, um, you know, and we've got a, a, a fantastic team. So it, it, it's certainly not just about me.
0: It was quite a year last year and this year has started differently and, and there's a, a different kind of rivalry with Ferrari this year, M- maybe even a bit more respectful.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, last year was extremely intense. Uh, It had been bubbling a little bit before that as well. And of course, there's many things going off track as well, Um, you know, with Mercedes, with us creating this engine business. And so, you know, we've had a lot of movement of staff between the two companies and so on, which only heightened the tension, you know, last year between, you know, Mercedes and Red Bull. Whereas Ferrari is something a bit different. I mean, Ferrari, what, they're, what, 70 years in the sport, um an iconic brand tremendous heritage um obviously based out of italy different culture um you know to us so uh you know there's always a a respect uh when you're racing an iconic uh you know brand like that one of the grandees
1: sports about great stories we love great rivalries i think of Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger in the yep. the Premier League heyday. Were you Alex Ferguson last year, and were Mercedes Arsene Wenger?
2: I don't know. It's probably more for Jamie to to comment on <laughs> than me. I'm, I'm, I was always a big fan of Alex Ferguson. You know the way he kept evolving a team, and I think that's something that we managed to do to do here. You know, I'm I'm a different kind of personality to you know Sir Alex, but um, had a great respect for what. And how he operated, but of course, you know, rivalry in sport—that's what sport's all about. If there's no rivalry, there's no sport. And uh, I think that you know, last year it, it bubbled over at times, but you know, it's passionate people going after and competing at the at the highest level.
1: We should mention Jamie, who you name-checked, is your communications chief, who has uh, helped to arrange this interview did it when you say bubble over last year did the did the pressure just get to to everybody what was it like being in the in the thick of it in the heart of it
2: it was it was great you know we finally worked hard to get ourselves back in the thick of it and so you know we did ruffle a few feathers last year but of course Mercedes have had it pretty easy the last eight years um so suddenly you know we were in with a shout and um you know we were able to get under their skin a little bit. You could see they got rattled. They didn't like losing. It was a new experience for them. And um, I think that the way that the team, you know, withstood that pressure was, uh, you know, was phenomenal last year.
0: You talked earlier about Fergie kind of building a dynasty and and rebuilding and rebuilding. Obviously, with Red Bull, you won the Constructors' Championship for a number of times, 2011, 2012, 2013, Uh, with Vettel, of course, winning the the Drivers' Championship. Verstappen won it last year and you won it last year. So is this the start of the next dynasty? Is this the next bit?
2: You hope so. I mean, everything has to evolve. I mean, so when you look around the engineering office, you know, there's not many people left that were there that were, you know, around the table um, in 2013 or the period from 10 to 13. So, you know, there's some key individuals that are still there, but probably... 70% 70% are the next generation and everything has to keep, keep moving and evolving. And that's the same with, same with drivers. I mean, Max, for me, is the most exciting talent currently in Formula One. He's, he's 24 years of age. He's got, uh, and he's only going to get better. Um, so to have that first world championship at 24, a phenomenal achievement for him. And that's why we moved to secure his services long-term because we see him as such a key asset of the team.
0: You mentioned earlier that you, didn't, you, you thought you had a different leadership style than, than Sir Alex. What would, how would you describe your, your leadership style? And I'm interested in, in asking that, Christian, because how does it work when a, when a driver leaves or do you decide he leaves? And, and that relationship, how do you, because obviously Sebastian Vettel still races, but obviously he's not in your team. So when you bump into him, how does that all kind of pan out?
2: I think, yeah, Sir Alex. From what I know of him, he's, you know, he didn't get the, the reputation as a hairdryer for, for nothing. Now, now, that's not my style. I, I'm more of a person that will sit down and and engage uh, and want to understand, you know, what the issues are, what the, you know, what the problems are, and yeah, it's um it's important to have a dynamic, you know, obviously with your drivers, but it's not just about the drivers. It's about you know, the other 850 people in the team as, you know, as well. Um, And of course, drivers are contractors, so they do come and they do go. And, um, you know, drivers do leave uh, sometimes at the end of their contract if they want to try something somewhere else, like, you know, Sebastian did or Daniel Ricciardo did, or um, sometimes, uh, you know, we have to let drivers go. Um, But, uh, you know, you always want to do what's best for the team you know to make sure that you're on the on the front foot and you've got the best lineup that you can possibly have in your you know in your cars do you need
1: different management styles for different people and different groups in the organization because on the one hand you will have a driver with the fame the fortune the adulation on the other hand you will have all the guys back at base and maybe they need handling slightly differently
2: well even between drivers I think every driver is a different and You know, a Max Verstappen is very different to a Sebastian Vettel or a Sergio Perez or, you know, a Mark Webber or a Daniel Ricciardo. So, um, you know, they're all they're all different. And I think, you know, everybody's everybody's different. And I think some people, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, pat on the back, uh, you know, compared to a kick up the arse um there's they're not that far apart they're only 6 inches apart so so it's knowing what's applicable you know for the right, at the right time and and being there to support being there to 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 guide and to to you know remove barriers to make to enable them to be able to do their job you know that's i think the role of a leader is is empowering your staff empowering your your people so that they can be the best that they can be
1: do you lead by instinct do you have leadership heroes do you read or learn or go on management courses for example
2: i've never been on a management course in my life um uh so i'm not not looking at starting that just at this point in time um but uh i think most of it is instinct most of it is applying common sense is trying to read a situation gauge a situation and apply you know logic you know to that i'm not an engineer you know, I'm an ex-racing driver. I didn't go through university. I haven't been through any, you know, management training courses or anything like that. But I enjoy working with people. And, it's, and I think 90% of it is about communication. Is about two-way, you know, communication and, and, and listening.
0: A couple of quick questions for me. What's the biggest challenge, Christian, in this job?
2: Oof, the biggest challenge um, is, is the expectation, Um, But that expectation you place on yourself. Um, So it's almost, you know, becomes a fear of failure that drives you, you know, when you've you've tasted success, when you've you've touched success, you don't want to let that feeling go. And it's that inner desire and, and passion that pushes you on.
0: Which might be the answer to my next question. What's the best bit? of the job is it as glamorous as it appears to be everyone wants to work in formula one don't they it's a dream job
2: it is a great job but it's demanding it's tough you know it's these things are never quite as glamorous as they look from the outside you know we're not all whooping up in monaco on boats and and, you know well some of us aren't anyway (laughs) um so uh, you know it's it's hard work it's it's a lot of sacrifice a lot of way time away from from family and and friends it's it's a lot of travel, you know, so it's a lot of airports, a lot of hotel rooms. Um, you know, and it's like being in a circus. It's the same group of people that you see, you know, traveling on tour. Um, but so it is, it is hard work. It is grueling. The demands are high, um, particularly Formula One as it's become ever more global. You know, dealing. I'm going to Australia uh you know on Wednesday I get there Thursday night we're performing Friday and I leave Sunday night back in the office on the Monday so you know it's it's tough schedules but uh you know that's part of the competition a
1: nighttime Grand Prix in Las Vegas sounds exciting you're just back from from Saudi Arabia as well does F1 need to continue to innovate and go to places like Saudi Arabia, for example, which you know might be challenging for some people because of various, you know, issues, political issues that we know. Does F1 need to though keep reaching out to to territories and areas like that?
2: I think it's important that Formula One is a global championship, but it is a you know it is a world championship. And it's not for the teams to decide where we go racing. It's down to the promoters and the governing body that Decide the calendar and the relevance and the safety of that calendar. You know, sport and Formula One should never be seen as a political movement. It's it's you know, sport is inclusive. It's there for everybody, and it should be there as a pathway to bring good uh, and in- inclusiveness to a to a territory or um, uh, you know to it to its following. And I think that uh, it should never be mixed with uh, politics in any way.
1: And do you think sometimes the politicians do use sport and not just F1 as as a hot potato, whether that's trying to get Olympic teams to pull out because a, a games are being held in China, for example?
2: I think politicians will use whatever is at their disposal. So I think <laughs> I wouldn't make that exclusive to, to, to sport. But I think, you know, sport is escapism. You know, it's, it's being able to follow your team your driver you, you know whether it's a football team a formula one team and uh, you know and it's it needs to be that escapism i think of all the other you know rubbish that's going on in the world
0: is it nice to be going to be nice to be back in melbourne I, you said you're only there for like three days but is it going to be yeah. nice to be back there
2: yeah the three yeah. days that i'll be there will be great um uh, you know, we went all the way down there a couple of years ago and, and didn't do anything. And, and I felt so bad for all the fans that none of us knew really at the time what the pandemic was, you know, was going to be. Um, so, uh, so this time to go down there it's a new circuit or, or they've modified the circuit a bit. It's going to be a bit faster um, with these new cars. You know, it's such a such a great crowd. Uh, and so, they, you know, the Aussies love their sport. And um, there's a huge turnout, um, obviously big, big for the Australian driver, uh, you know, with, with Daniel, but, but, you know, they're a fair crowd as well. And, uh, you know, looking forward to going and racing there. It's always a big event. So um, um, it'll be good to be back.
0: And, and last one for me, just on the British Grand Prix and the fact that it's still Silverstone and it's up the road from Milton Keynes where, where you're based. Is that still the big one of the, of the, of the calendar, for the team, if you like, or the staff?
2: I think certainly for the staff, you know, it's it's, it's our local race, we're Austrian owned. So we've got, you know, we have the Austrian Grand Prix. Um, we then have the driver's races, which are big events for them in, in Holland and uh, in Zandvoort and in Mexico City for, for Checo, and that's they're insane events. But I think Silverstone, because it's 15 minutes from the factory, it's the one event that we get all the staff to come and see their cars, you know, in action. Um, it's a big race. It's one that you definitely want to win.
1: Final couple of questions, then Christian, before we wrap up.
2: How do you switch off and relax?
1: I've heard that horse racing and horse riding has become important to you recently.
2: Yeah, yeah. I got sucked into that in the lockdown, and I hadn't sat on a horse since I was a kid, and ended up, um, you know, doing a bit of riding, which was, which is a great way of getting, getting, you know, taking your mind off things. Um, and I've got a young family, you, you know. I, you know, time is, with them is precious. Um, so when I, I do have any downtime, you know, being in the countryside, you know, I, I, I love that. And um, and yeah, I've ended up buying a racehorse, only a point-to-pointer, so it's nothing too serious. But it's amazing how that competitive spirit, even in your private life, when the horse came around its first race, you know, in the lead on the first lap. Uh, you you want to start defending and weaving on the straight, you know, so uh, it's uh, amazing how that competitive instinct spills out into, you know, even your private time.
1: Well, having followed your career, I reckon we'll be seeing you at Aintree, Cheltenham or, or Ascot. <laughs> some, Certainly some, not all. Some, <laughs> Sometimes soon. Uh, just finally then, obviously, here we are at the, the start of your, your season, but, but very confident that you can repeat the success of last year.
2: Well, look, we've got some massive opponents. I think Ferrari have put a lot into this car. Um, they've got a great car. Um, we came to the onto this new set of regs very late. You know, last year took a lot out of the team. We developed the car late into the season, which gave us a shorter period of time to research, you know, these very, very new regulations for this year. It's the biggest regulation change in 40 years. So I'm really proud of the team that we've turned up with a car that's, you know, won in the first two races. Um, and... Yeah, Ferrari are going to be a big opponent this year. Mercedes are going to sort their issues out. They put a huge effort into this car as well. Um, and they've got great drivers. So uh, it's going to be another roller coaster 23 race calendar. I'm, I've got no doubt about that.
0: Well, we wish you all the best. Fingers crossed for the season ahead. And good luck to you, to you and your drivers and the whole team. Uh, Christian Horner, team principal of Red Bull. Thanks very much for talking to great British bosses.
2: Thanks very much.